0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: Praise God. I want you, if you will, this evening to join me in the book of Judges, chapter 16. And I'm going to a very well worn path, passage, and story. And I will just ask you, if you will, to make the journey with me, no matter how familiar you may be with this. Let's just ask the Lord to touch us tonight. I kept being drawn back again and again and again to this passage over the last two or three days, and so I feel that I'm in the will of the Lord. The book of Judges, chapter 16 and verse 16. The Bible says, and it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. Then he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, come upon this once, for he has showed me all his heart. Isn't it amazing, if you know the story, how many times Samson had teased her. Right. 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 But there was something about truth. She knew, something in her knew. when she, The Bible says she saw that he had told her all his heart. Then she said to the lords of the Philistines, come unto her, because he has shown me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came upon her and brought her money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees and called for a man. And she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, "The Philistines be upon thee, Samson." And he awoke out of his sleep and said, "I will go out as at other times before, and shake myself, and wist not that the Lord was departed from him." Amen. We have been talking for several Wednesday nights about the beauty of holiness, and uh, this evening I want to continue and and uh, with our our series on holiness because. I believe this has a lot to do with holiness. Amen. If the Lord will help me, I'll try to pull all of this together with his help. Amen. Let's pray together. Lord, I love you today. And I thank you for the tremendous privilege that you have given all of us to come together in this house tonight to not only hear your word, but the privilege you've given me to share your word one more time. I'm asking you, Lord, to honor the efforts that all of us have put forth and the investments we have made to be right here tonight and honor us, Lord, with your presence. But more than that, God, enlighten our eyes and awaken our heart and quicken our spirit. In the name of Jesus, we pray, amen, amen. God, bless you and you can be seated. I wanna choose for a subject this evening. The spirit of Delilah is still alive. The spirit of Delilah is still alive. I believe that that holiness in the life of a Christian, as we have covered many times throughout this series, is they're not fences and gates to keep us in. Amen. But it is fences and gates, it is guards to keep the spirit of the world out. Praise God. The book of Judges is a history, is the history of Israel and it was a snippet or a snapshot, if you please, of Israel's history when God still ruled his people through men called Judges. Samson was born in Judges 13, and uh, we began to read about his life, and, um, and he was born under a Nazarite vow. And so in our text this evening, he was, there is a reference to that vow from birth. He referred to one part of that being his hair. But Samson had been chosen by the Lord to deliver his people. And so the Nazarite vow is very interesting, and perhaps it is indeed a worthy study all of its own. But succinctly, the Nazarite vow, uh, anybody that was under the Nazarite vow was to abstain from wine or strong drink, and they were forbidden to cut their hair, and they were also forbidden to touch anything that was dead or anything that was unclean. So prior to our text, we can already see Samson is very dangerously stepping out of line, doing things that we could think about, maybe that even God would be a part of, except if you know that he had a Nazarite vow. Things like Judges 14 and 5, where he had torn a lion apart with his bare hands. And uh, then we find Samson that was very uh he was a very unique thinker he took and caught 300 foxes and tied their tails together and set them on fire and let them run through the the enemy's crop and burned them and very unique approach many times to his way of winning against the battle judges 15 and 14 the bible says that with just the mere jawbone of a donkey he killed a thousand men in battle and so here is Samson that was set aside, set apart, and used, if I could say, the anointing of the Lord in in ways that that could seem right to some degree, but yet he was not supposed to touch certain things, but he continued to flirt with danger. So we find him in the in uh, in the story of Delilah. We certainly can't begin to think that this is the beginning of it, or this is where his trouble all started. nothing. Uh, that's not true at all. Samson uh, was a man that had been given strength by God. However, he was still very much a man. He was very much human. And so when I say man tonight, I'm not really trying to speak gender specific, but he was a person, a human being with passions. And and uh, he was a, a person with passions that would have very much fit within the framework of what all of us could call normal except for the fact that Samson was a man with unbridled passion he was a man that didn't know limits or lines or bars he didn't know the value of the of the vow that he had been that he had been given from birth now we find Samson on the scene as a as a grown man so to speak but we are confident that even though the scripture doesn't bear it for us to read before you tonight we're confident that Samson grew up knowing all of the limitations of a Nazarite vow. He confessed to them, at least in part, even in our text tonight. So it is not it is not lost to anybody in this building that a mother and a father would have been teaching him and training him from his very birth that you are born for a special time and a special season. Amen. So uh, that there was this un. An unbridled passion, this imbalanced spiritual state that he seemed to live in. I can, I can do this, and there can be a positive end result, and surely all of the bad will be washed away. But that's just not how things work with the Lord. It seems apparent that he was that he allowed his vulnerability to be known to the enemy, because they knew that he was going to see Delilah. If we fast forward to our text. It's often been said that Samson was a he-man with a (laughs) she-problem. Amen. That seems to be Samson, a he-man with a she-problem. What a sad, accurate assessment. But the enemy knew. The enemy knew something about him much deeper than uh, perhaps what we see on the surface. And I believe it's because actions speak louder than words. It could be said that he had a Nazarite vow, but the actions of Samson was speaking far louder than anything a mother or father could have declared over him or anything that he perhaps with his own lips could say because his actions were speaking grossly loud. Amen. I believe that we give away our heart with our actions, that That what we do with our hands and where our feet go, that really speaks of where our treasure is. Because whatever or whoever holds our heart, that's who holds our attention. I don't believe that Delilah meant Samson any good at all. I don't think there was anything wonderful about this story. There's nothing good that's going to come out of this situation. There's nothing good that can happen in the end we have all lived most of us at least lived long enough to to see things that are that are coming together and and if i could just be bold tonight and say that it's almost like a train wreck in slow motion that there's just no way that this can end well if somehow someone doesn't get a hold of themselves and rein in the things that are wrong you you can't just continue to walk down a path of destruction and in the end hope that somehow We're not going to be destroyed. So when she made the deal with the Lord of the Philistines, she in essence made a deal with the devil. That's exactly what she was doing. And it was for the soul of Samson, but it was putting at stake many more souls. They said, we'll give you 1,100 pieces of silver if you'll just be this covert spy for us, if you'll just work undercover and, and find out where his strength is. That's what we've got to get is the source of his strength. We need to be clear that Delilah did not love Samson. There was nothing about this that had anything to do with anything that's right, and she proved this point when she found when we see that her loyalty could be purchased. It was just a few pieces of silver and and all of our loyalty can be flushed away and she re- repeatedly asked Samson, "Tell me where your source of strength is. And and sadly, Simpson kept playing with this idea. Well, you just try this, or you you try that. And that's where he got in trouble because he kept playing with the enemy concerning his vow to God. Amen. That should have been one of the greatest treasures that we would ever protect, is what God has given us, the treasure that He called on us and entrusted us to protect. Anyone that is, that is not sold out to the Lord is soon going to find themselves playing games with the wrong side of the line. And I just want to say it tonight. I know that, that perhaps almost anything that I will say this evening is something you've heard before. But I just feel in my heart to say that the devil, remind us that the devil plays for keeps. We're not. This is not Monopoly money on the table. This, this, is not, this is not something that we'll fictitiously own for just a little while. The devil plays for keeps. Amen. I realize that's a large statement, but there are many things that the enemy can use and will use to set up a trap. Amen. We need to understand we cannot afford to play with the enemy. The enemy can cause us to, to even think about things that uh, seemingly look innocent. And we think, well, what could possibly be wrong with this? And the enemy is going to work overtime to distract us away from the most important thing, the most valuable thing, because the spirit of Delilah is still alive. He's not going to package something that has three X's and a a skull and crossbones on it. He's not going to package something like... Like that and hand it to us and say, here, just take this and play and have a good time. He's not going to hand us something that seems lethal or deadly and, and say, just be careful. No, he's going to package it the best possible way. And then we're going to find out in the end that the spirit of Delilah is still alive. She used anything she could that was at her disposal. She said things like, if you really loved me, you would tell me. If you really care for me, you would would tell me, but I would have to tell you tonight, be careful of Delilah's lap and watch out because Delilah is a liar. The spirit of Delilah, it is a spirit. The spirit of Delilah is a spirit that's enticing. The spirit of Delilah is a spirit that is seductive and so we have to watch out for the spirit of Delilah and i realize that when we use the word seductive especially in in our culture our minds can just go to certain valleys or certain lanes or certain alleyways just a few areas but many things the enemy can use to seduce it doesn't have to seem sinister it doesn't have to seem perverted. It doesn't have to seem naughty. Amen. The enemy will seduce people with popularity. The enemy can seduce people with success. The enemy can seduce people with wealth. The enemies can can seduce people with with promotions and things that all seem innocent on the outside. But they, if we're not careful, they can become distractions that take us away from the real purpose and the real goal. I, I, I grew up hearing a song that said, I don't want nothing here to hinder me. Nothing. Amen. Nothing's a big word. Hallelujah. But I don't want nothing here to hinder me. I want my life to be what he would have it be. I want the spirit of the Lord to know Amen. I want the the Spirit of the Lord to know that I want to be used of Him, and I want Him to have my undivided attention. I was in a Zoom meeting last night, and at the end of the meeting, one one uh, minister was still there, and so we were talking, and and uh, we had, had a few uh, we'd had a few issues with the, our not our network, but the other network we were using, and and at times they would freeze, and. Uh, and so they would just be real still, and they would stop moving, they would stop talking. And so we were talking, just finishing up a few things, actually, we were just chit-chat, and I got a text message, and so I looked down at my phone about the time I thought the screen froze up because they got st- silent and, and they got still. And uh, so I just looked down at my phone real quick, and it was just a one-word reply, and I sent it off, and I said, did your, did your screen freeze up? He goes, no, I was just waiting for you to get done. I wasn't going to talk if you're not listening. <laughs> <laughs> That was Brother C. Patton Williams. Now you can maybe try to wrap your mind around that. I'm not going to talk if you're not listening. <laughs> Amen. I want the Spirit of the Lord to have my undivided attention because he may be doing the same thing. And heaven's network may not have frozen. He may just not going to be talking if we're not going to be listening. Amen. I I want, I want I don't want to be flirting with the enemy when God has given me something of such great value. I just want to realize that the spirit of Delilah is still alive. Amen. Samson started flirting with the most sacred thing that he could have ever been given, that Nazarite vow. He said, if they were to bind me with seven green wisdom or vines that are never dried, well, that's me. That's all it would take. And, and when that came to, to to no end, he said, Well, if they bind with with new ropes, or if they weave seven locks of my head, he kept getting closer and closer and closer to the promise. Amen. Just seven green vines or just some new ropes. Or now if you just if you just weave my hair, the seven locks of my hair, and, and then all of a sudden it'll all be over. He was getting closer and closer to the reality of the promise. And Samson, if we could have just God in the road, if we could have just somehow got his attention and said, Samson, you're playing with the most valuable thing that you could own this side of eternity. I, I want to say tonight, I just feel like that that's where we are in this world, in society. When society is saying there should be no lines and there should be no limits and there should be no fences and there should be no there should be no one to say no and you know what that spirit is in our world it is prevalent in our world and and i've said for many many years years on end that it can't be 20, 20 22 degrees below zero out there and it not eventually affect here. My point is not weather. My point is that the spirit of the world cannot be saturated with the power of rebellion and that not try to make its way into the house of God, into our heart, into our home, into our minds. And I say, Lord, help me to realize I don't want to flirt with things that would try to take away or dilute the power of your presence in my life. We want to stand and say to the world, you can't keep doing this. You can't keep walking in this direction. You can't keep removing the lines. We're all going to be in trouble if we do. Samson, you're playing with something in time. You're not going to ever be able to fully recover from. So finally, Samson reveals that key, that key separation. He lays out the very thing that made him different. And he said, no razor has ever touched my head. Seems harmless. Amen, it seems as harmless as anything he said before, about the vines or about the ropes, or about the weaving of his hair. It seems as harmless as anything that's ever been said. And maybe he thought that one single statement was was not anything that mattered all that much, but how wrong, how wrong he was. With those words, he went to sleep in the lap of his enemy. Amen, we have to be at guard at all times. No time for a place of ease and be on guard when we're too comfortable because sin will draw us in just incrementally until it just doesn't seem that wrong anymore. I've lived long enough to hear people even change their opinion about curse words. I grew up thinking they were all wrong, taught they were all wrong. And now we've got a few set aside that It's probably okay for everyday language, but it's not. Because it's just bringing us closer and closer and closer because it's just the embracing, because everyday language, everyday things, and it just gets closer. What used to be wrong isn't wrong. What used to be truth is not truth. We got to beware of Delilah's lap, because it's the muddying of the lines. It's the, the murking of the water. <clears throat> it is saying there are no absolutes. It's saying that that we should be able to move the fence, or we should be able to take them down altogether. But I say, Lord, let thy word be a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path, and help me to see the error and help me to see the sin that is around us, Amen. I don't want to go to sleep in the lap of the enemy, because if I will, I, if I do, I'm going to find myself in a sense of spiritual unconsciousness, and in and in truth, if we were not going to know it, what's going on until it's too late. We're not going to be able to see what's going on around us. That's why we have got to understand that the spirit of Delilah is still alive. Amen. While he was there, he was at ease, and while he was there, he fell asleep. And and while and while he was there, she called the Philistines unto him. And while he was there, that was where he lost his power. It all happened right there. They destroyed the very thing that was serving as the guard between he and his God. And so we must beware of Delilah's lap. Because the spirit of Delilah is still alive. It's it is amazing to me when we think about the the condition. I'm thankful that I'm American by the way. I wouldn't want to be anywhere else. I'm glad that I am in this country. I'm glad we are where we are. I'm glad to be alive in this time. I don't want anything that I'm about to say to sound as though I'm unappreciative of where we are. But we are I said just a few nights ago to someone I may have said this publicly I don't know but the Bible says if you reap to the, if you sow to the wind you will reap a whirlwind. That's what the scripture says and I believe as a society we have sown to the wind and today we are reaping that whirlwind where, where there's no wrong you, you know children can just do whatever they want to do and now that's why our school systems are running aground because there's no such thing as control There's amen is this alright because we have sown to the wind it won't hurt it, wasn't, it won't matter I, I'm preaching to people that you didn't want to get in trouble at school because you're going to get in trouble at home amen trouble at school would be minimal yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to the storm to the storm that would be blown up in our front yard when we got home. Amen. Amen. There you can look close. There's no there's no wings growing, no halo growing, but I promise you if I was given the opportunity of three licks or three days suspension, grab the paddle. <laughs> if if you mean for three licks or five licks it can stop and start right here that's what we're going to do because it can't leak out this can't get out If Betty Jean finds out about this I've got way way bigger problems way bigger problems amen (laughs) she wasn't big but she was bad and so now there are no lines and we're reaping because you see there it ultimately we all know as adults we all know there is a yes and a no in life. There is you can and there is a you can't in life and so our prison systems and our jails are just full to capacity and overflowing because somewhere somebody has to say no. Somewhere there has to be law and order. Somewhere there has to be rule. And so when 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 we you say, well, all does this have to do with what we're talking about tonight? It has everything with what we're talking about tonight. Because I believe that the church, the bedrock of our society, should be the place that initiates this is where right and wrong... The pulpits across America, this is where right and wrong fundamentally should be declared and it should be supported in our homes and it should be supported in our system. Hallelujah. Amen. It should all be supported there. Why? Because the spirit of Delilah hasn't gone anywhere. The spirit of Delilah is as alive as it has ever been. What a treacherous method she took. She Made him sleep on her knees. Josephus, the first century Jewish historian, says that it's very likely she gave him some kind of intoxicating liquor or some kind of a strong drink that caused him to go into a stupor. We cannot suppose that he would knowingly drink strong wine or, or a strong drink. We can't assume that he would knowingly do that because, again, that was a part of the Nazarite vow although he had done other things. So who who knows? But somewhere along the line, he started taking, whether he got literally intoxicated or not, we do know that he got emotionally intoxicated and he began to give more and more and more of his heart away. Amen. Oh God, help us to understand that the enemy is playing for keeps. He wants our families. He, 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 wants, every, he wants our life. The Bible says that Jesus said, Simon, Simon, Satan, Zion, you to sift you at sweet. He wants to destroy you. He don't want to just interrupt your life. he doesn't want to just root he don't want to just ruin one day. he don't want to just interrupt your schedule. he wants to destroy you. The spirit of Delilah, she wasn't after hair, the spirit of Delilah, she wasn't after 1100 pence. she was after his very last breath. Oh, the spirit of Delilah is a destructive spirit. Amen. She faked her kindness. She designed the greatest harm. But there had been there would have been no way she could have done that if she had not made him first sleep. David said, Enlighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. How critical. Perhaps there are many things that we should consider. Tonight in this tragic story, maybe we should see the fatal consequences of this false sense of security. How that Satan just ruins people by rocking them to sleep. Just a little folding of the arms, the Bible says. Just a little slumber. He works over time to flatter people into a feeling of safety and security. And then That feeling is is that there's nothing to fear. That feeling that all is well. That feeling that everything's going to come out all right in the end. then in a moment of distraction, in just one moment of distraction, he robs them of their strength and their honor. But he's not finished. His final march is to lead them into total captivity. That was where she was trying to take Samson. And so we need to remember this, that when we sleep, our spiritual enemies do not. They do not. Now the good news for a born again believer is neither does the Lord. He sleeps nor slumbers. I'm not trying to incite fear, but we need to understand that when we sleep, it doesn't mean the enemy's asleep. So when Samson was asleep, she had somebody right there, somebody waiting in the wings to come cut his hair, and it all happened so silently and so quickly that it did not even wake him because she was the one that awakened him. And so while they may not have awakened him, it obviously afflicted him. I think it's fair to suppose that if someone had tied him up and cut his hair against his will, I believe the outcome would have been totally different. I think it's safe to assume that if he had just somehow been accosted and, and had not given away this secret and somebody figured it out and somebody just held him down and cut his hair, I don't think that he would have lost his strength. I don't think the Lord would have allowed that to happen. But what made this so tragic is the fact that he became a willing participant in all of this. It was his own wickedness that was reaching out to judge him. We can blame Delilah all we want. We can, we can just think she's just a low-down, dirty rascal. But you see, she, she should have never had a place in his home, much less in his heart. And so let me give you a few things associated tonight, perhaps, with the things say that Samson lost. There are things that sometimes we place so inadvertently in the hand of the enemy Whenever we begin to lay our head in the enemy's lap, things that in the beginning seem so innocent, so harmless, but you see, it's all connected, it all has a tragic end. I believe it is imperative for for born-again believers to have a prayer life. Amen, I'm not standing here tonight suggesting that everybody ought to be praying eight hours a day, but I am suggesting that we should have a prayer life, a regular, consistent, healthy prayer life. I don't believe that Samson was praying about these things or he would have certainly not found himself where he found himself. He, never, he, he would not have been he would not have been with a woman like this he would have never found himself here I believe that prayer not just depending on the prayer of others and we have all needed the prayer of others we've all needed somebody to pray for us when we couldn't pray for ourselves but I believe that we have got to have a prayer life ourselves, and the spirit of prayer will lead us and guide us, the spirit of prayer can prompt us, it don't always have to be a holy visitation but the Lord will put something in our heart that he even is a release or it's a close and we understand that ebb and flow of his spirit. I believe that we must give ourselves to personal Bible study. I believe that with all my heart that we shouldn't just open the Bible. I shouldn't as a preacher just open the Bible when I'm trying to study for a sermon. I believe that there should be times that I'm just reading the word of God daily as a devotion, something that just helps me to receive strength from his word. The Bible talks about meditating, about meditating, writer's talk about meditating on the word of the lord and you know that's a very difficult thing in the day that we live in a very difficult thing it's a challenge i appreciate your response to that it is it is a challenge and uh, i have to be very careful i have to personally be very careful i use a lot of digital resources for devotions use a lot of digital resources for my bible and for my morning time alone and if i'm not careful i have to set everything i have to make sure my settings are just right i don't want to get text messages while i'm trying to read and study because they're just distractions and it may be important some of them may be very important but i don't want something to take away i don't want something to i don't want something to take away from what the spirit of god is trying to give birth to in my heart. I want to understand the value of his word, the value of keeping myself exposed to the word of God. I, I've I heard uh, more than once, I've heard brother uh, I've heard Pastor Joel Urshan talk about their home when he was a child. What a compliment this is to his parents. He talks about how his mother and his father had scriptures located all over their house. I don't I don't assume when he's talking about that there were handwritten notes. Maybe they were pictures and different things of that nature, but he said that in every room in their house was the word of God, that word of God and that and, uh, was located in their home and maybe it was those verses that were in printed form or frames or whatever it may have been but the point is this, is that their home was saturated in the most literal sense with the word of God and it served as a reminder of the promises of God. I'm thankful for those daily breads, amen, that powerful promises of God that are just yay and amen. My mom and dad, I've mentioned this through the years, my mom, mom and dad, for most of my growing up years, on our dining table had daily bread, little uh, ceramic or plastic or whatever it may have been, a little loaf of bread, had cards in it, some of you are old enough to be nodding your head, or either you're going to sleep, maybe, <laughs> I don't know, hopefully not, but you just go by and pull out those little daily bread, those scriptural promises, oh, how refreshing they were, I love to. Wake up early in the morning, and, and many times when I wake up in the morning, there's some uh, there's some apps that that just have promises of the Lord that, and you know, I just reach over and put an ear, earbud in my ear and just lay there before I get up and meet the day, and just listen to some of the promises of the Lord, not necessarily scriptures that are in any any particular order, but just promises of the Lord. Some of the Psalms, just skipping around through the Psalms and just think about the power of the Word of God. Thy Word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. Your Word becomes a fence. Your Word becomes a guardrail. Your Word becomes a wall. Not to keep me in, but to keep the world out. I'll just tell you tonight. Amen. Yes, we're talking about holiness. Yes, we're studying about the spirit of holiness. We need something in our life that will keep the world at bay and his word will do it. His word is a light. His word is a lamp. His word will keep it at bay. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. I've heard many times throughout my lifetime that that some of the, the cheapest insurance you can get Some of the best security systems you can get, not to take away from the technological aspect of security systems, but some of the best security you can have is light. (laughs) Just keep everything lit up. Amen. Oh, so I want the Word to be a light. Amen. Aren't you thankful for the spirit of joy? Amen. Amen. I'm talking about happiness. I'm talking about joy. Amen. Just that Word of God. Just put something in your heart that is deep and sincere I'm thankful for the power of praise in my life. I'm thankful for the ability, the privilege to praise him. It's a privilege to pray. It's a privilege to be able to lift up our voices and praise God. You see, the enemy will try to cut off your praise. Be one of the first things he goes after. Because you can't praise the Lord if we've grown comfortable with the spirit of Delilah. We can't praise because guilt will build a wall. Guilt will tear down a bridge. We may lift up our hands, but the accuser, the brethren, will be right there to hinder. Amen. I don't want anything to hinder my praise. Praise God. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. Our musicians, you can stay where you are tonight if you'd like. But, Amen. I I, I think about things like faithfulness. When the enemy begins to enter faith, hinder faithfulness to. Prayer and faithfulness to study and faithfulness to attend us to the house of God. We somehow allow the spirit of Delilah to have too much influence. Too much access. Amen. I I don't want the spirit of the world to have access to my heart, my mind, my way of thinking. Amen. When When we allow the spirit to encroach too closely in our lives... One of the things that's going to happen is our obedience to the word of God. And the will of God begins to wane. Now there's a spirit of rebellion in our world. I think we could all say amen to that. And I realize that when we talk about rebellion. We often associate that with mental pictures of blatant rebellion. People marching in the streets. Burning buildings and turning cars over. Riding and warring. And we kind can, can kind of feel like as long as we're not doing that. then we're not being rebellious. But. I've watched people over time with a spirit of rebellion never lose their smile. Amen. Their countenance stays the same. Come to church, participate in things, but walk away unchanged and indifferent toward the things of God. Amen. The Word of God, not submitting themselves to the leading or the teaching of the Spirit of God. Amen. And when we don't submit ourselves to the Word of God we can rest assured it's not going to be long until we have no strength. No strength. Perhaps not all, but some in this building tonight have been physically injured at some point where you have been laid up for a little while. And it's just amazing that you don't have to be still very long before you lose so much strength. Something that was just so normal and natural has become a real challenge just because our extremities were, were out of service for just a little while. It doesn't take long. It's shocking. It is very shocking. And so the point of my message tonight is simply this. The story of Samson and Delilah is not a story that's just locked in the book of Judges. And it is not a once and done situation. And I don't believe the story of Samson and Delilah is a parable. I believe it is a truth. But the spirit of Delilah did not die just because Delilah died. The spirit is of a Delilah is as alive today in 2023 as it has ever been. And if we're not careful, that seducing spirit to just disengage, to become lackadaisical in our spirit, if we're not careful, we will find ourselves like Samson saying, all I need to do is just shake myself. I know how to do this. I know how to do this. But you see, church is not just about rehearsing songs or Listening to a message or knowing exactly where to, to pipe in or join in. I mean, that's what Samson thought. He said, I'll just shake myself. I'll do what I've done other times. But you've heard me say it many times if you've been around very long. Samson 16 and 20. And his heart or verse 16, Samson wist not that the Spirit of the Lord had left him. What a frightening thought. Amen. Then the enemy put out Samson's eyes and, and you know the story. You most certainly know its end. And Yes, the Bible does say that Samson killed more of his enemies in his death than he did in his life but this is not how the story was supposed to end because Samson in the end was a blinded, wretched man that needed a boy to lead him to the pillars. That's not how God designed the church. That's not how he looks to you and I. Amen. The saddest part of this story is that the Nazarite vow was separation unto the Lord. In essence, Samson gave the enemy what had been been vowed unto the Lord. I will not give this unto the Lord. Not a razor is going to come upon my head. And the enemy wound up with what God should have had all along. Amen. I don't want the enemy to have anything that doesn't belong to him. I certainly don't want him to have what belongs to me. Amen. I wonder if across this building we could lift our hands and just... And I lift our voices and ask God to touch us in this hour. Lord, we need your divine strength. We need your anointing upon our lives. We need the power of the Holy Ghost to help us, to encourage us and to strengthen us, oh Lord. We need the authority of the holy power of your name to go before us. God, to open doors that need to be opened and to close doors that need to be closed. Reestablish borders and fences and guidelines in our heart, in our home, in our lives. We ask you today, God, to use us, use us mightily for your name and for your glory. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name.